I really think that in photography, we, we should kind of be true to ourselves, right? So we shouldn't mm-hmm. be taking photographs for other people. If anything, because, you know, everyone is different and we cannot make everyone happy. But I think that if we photograph what we believe and we are true to ourselves, I have a very nice sentence. It's about writing, but I think it can apply equally to photography, which is write the book you want to read, which in photography yep. translates, take the image yep. you want to, to, to see, right? Basically, I think, you know, I want to start photographing for myself. first. So. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today I have the real pleasure of talking with Fabrizio Quayosu. Good afternoon. Good evening to you, sir. How's everything over in the UK? Hello, Scott. And it's late afternoon here in London, you know, and it's been a really, really chilly day, but I'm warm in my home right now. Oh, very good. You guys just got approval for the COVID vaccine. That's got to be good news. It is good news indeed. And because, you know, it's been affecting everyone, but also, you know, in terms of impact on shows and exhibitions and events has been quite depressing in a way. So I'm really looking forward to get out of all of these, as I, I think everyone, right? I think everybody, uh, photographers in particular, are really looking forward to the world opening up again. For those of you that are listening, I encourage you to go to Fabrizio's website as we're talking. It is FabrizioQ.com, F-A-B-R-I-Z-I-O-Q.com. And it is a compelling and, and, and really well done website. Fabrizio has an impressive list of gallery shows in the UK, in Italy, in Japan publications left and right. And Fabrizio is a tremendously active member of the Frames community with a really compelling and definite style. One of the things I really admire about photographers is when you can look at their images and say, yes, I I know who did this work. There's something going on in there that I really appreciate. And so we're going to be delving into these photographs here for a little bit. But Fabrizio, I want to start with something that you say on your website. You say that you are living in the land between my photographs and reality. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, it, I have this very personal, kind of deep and intimate affair with photography, I think. I started with street photography, like in 2007 or something. Then, you know, five years ago, I went through a period in which I was kind of Going an hour of photography in London, in Japan, my wife is Japanese, so we travel quite often to Japan, and Japan, you know, for street photography is kind of a paradise, Tokyo, those are cool places. But I was coming back with images that didn't resonate with me at all. So I kind of felt like I was hitting a, I was hitting a, a limit of what I could express through the way I was photographing at that time. So... I got in a period in which I was really a bit empty and frustrated and uninspired. Talked to friends. There were a few key events that perhaps we can touch upon um, later, like a workshop that I did with um, uh, Michael Ackerman that kind of got me thinking a lot. I call it a punch in the face. Oh, my. Yeah, it's a figurative one, of course, not a real one. (laughs) Um, But... I went to this um, um, Michael Ackerman workshop uh, in London. So it was a three-day workshop about storytelling. So I, I, I went there with my 40 or 50 
four, six, six by four inches you know, small prints you know to talk to him and then and um, i showed to him the, the the photos it was a story i was working on about my wife hometown in japan and um, he started making a pile two piles actually but i saw that in one pile there was only one image and all the other images were going in the other pile and at the end he said oh, yes it didn't look good did he <laughs> <laughs> and the end he went like um, okay fabrizio he pushed aside the big pile and to pick it up one image, you know, start again working from this one. Image, what image was that? You know, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was the image. It felt like I was there in the place and in the story rather than being an observer. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember the exact image, but it, what he told me after, it was that it was the, the, there was distance in those images. I need to be there. So that one, you know, it kind of hit me in a way. It hit me because I knew what my kind of problems or weak points were. But, you know, sometimes it happens because of some like you know, mix of fear, laziness or superficiality, maybe. We don't want to admit what, what's wrong, right? And then Michael Ackerman, that one was the punch in the, in the face that I was referring to. So, but it was a welcome mm-hmm. punch, a, well, a very welcome punch because then it got me thinking. And then eventually I reached, a, a, you know, a really, really a, a major awareness for me that really changed the way I live photography from that moment on. It was rather than going out and reacting to things, I should take photograph of what happened to me or what, what I felt close to, like my experiences, people around me or things that happened to me or what I believed in, what I, you know, what I felt was important to me. Kind of what was missing in photography, I realized later than in insight, was like a deeper and more intimate connection with, with myself and with the way I wanted to, to, to live in, in, in the world. So this is sort of about the long and the, the winded road, but this links to what you said at the beginning, right? So from that moment on, I realized that uh, I kind of was, was allowing photography to shape my feeling. You know, usually what you go through, your experiences, your feelings shape what your photography is about but i was also going the other way i was the experience i was doing the photos the stories i was telling to photography were kind of influencing the way i am so that's why i say i write in my website i'm living in the land between my photography and reality because it's it's a kind of two-way it's an incredible self-discovery journey for me basically Oh, I think that that is remarkable. There's two things in there uh, I really want to pick up on it and hear you say a little bit more. Uh, Number one, you used one of my favorite terms for photography, uh, and that is story versus portfolio versus collection. And even on your website, you identify your projects as stories. So talk to me a little bit about storytelling uh, through photography. And then also, you mentioned just a second ago that you go out to photograph what you believe in. That's a little tough to explain as you're going out the door. You know, what are you going to go take pictures of? Uh, I'm going to go take pictures of what I believe in. So talk to me about storytelling and talk to me about that that kind of photographing what is, is essential to you. Okay, good. So let's start from storytelling first. Perhaps then one, one blend into each, will blend into each other kind of naturally, I think. I really think that in photography, we, we should kind of be true to ourselves, right? So we shouldn't mm-hmm. be taking photographs for other people, if anything, because, you know, everyone is different and we cannot make everyone happy. But I think that if we photograph what we believe and we are true to ourselves, I have a very nice sentence. It's about writing, but I think it can apply equally to photography, which is write the book you want to read, which in photography yep. translates, take the image yep. you want to, to, to see, right? Basically, I think, you know, I want to start photographing for myself first. So 
why I want to photograph, what, what I'm interested in, you know, what I want to communicate, which story I want to say, how do I feel at, the mo- at this, this moment in time and how do I translate this in, into images? I think, I think having something to say perhaps is the most important thing in, in photography. And this then kind of links quite naturally, I think, to storytelling, right? Because I prefer not to be too factual in my photography, but uh, I, I, I really like to, 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 to tell fictional stories that then eventually start from feelings, from, from experiences. Those experiences, they become hopefully through, you know, as the project evolves, become more abstract and, and, and universal. So basically, my personal experiences give me the impulse to kind of create. So say, for example, one of my uh, stories on my website is, um, uh, if you see, Sparted, which is, uh, which is a story in which um, in 2017, I lost my father. Then um, after a period in which I was completely, of course, wrecked and, 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 and um, you know, uninspired photographically, of course, because of the big loss, then uh, I thought that perhaps photography could also help me to kind of address this grief, like kind of therapeutic, therapeutic function of photography to understand myself, to understand what I was going on. I, I decided, so, you know, I'm, I'll work on this project in which I kind of not addressing the, the, the loss of my father directly, but I go, I, I try to address the themes of um, loss. Most important things perhaps is how letting people, let the person that we love go is kind of the ultimate act of love towards someone mm-hmm. dear to us. But going back to the, to the concept of storytelling, then, this is so starting from a personal experience, I think is very important because if we start from a personal experience, we are sure that we are doing something that on, that is unique to us. Then if, if, if through storytelling, through photography, we can, we can, we can then translate this experience in kind of universal concepts. Then I think we can connect to the viewer, which I think in, in, in all type of art is the most important thing, share something with the viewer, right? Absolutely. Let, let's stay with it with the parted story uh, for a moment. I have yep. it up here on the computer in front of me. Uh, it begins with an evocative bit of text. You say parted, loss is loss, hurt is hurt, absence is absence, the end of a love and the end of a life. How can you measure? And you say to my father, parted is an emotional journey through which I elaborate the loss of my father. Talk to us about the story of this opening image. So yeah, so so the image was taken in Japan in, in my wife's hometown. I, I, I had this idea of have, of doing a small photographic project. Then is actually the end that I ended up being another one in the stories. It's called I, Log, I like frogs sometimes. I'm always subtracted by ambiguity in images. So I try to leave always space to, to the viewer to kind of stimulate yes. their curiosity yes. or kind mm-hmm. of their imagination can flow because in that space, then we can also create connection, emotional connections, right? And um, right. in that case, then, you know, everything that is out of place or unusual or ambiguous, as I said, I think it's, it's um, you know, it kind of naturally attracts me a lot. And that, that is a typical example with the two curtains and the, the, the gate. And, and, um, and in terms of narrative po- positioning, let's say, of the image in the story as a start, I think it's kind of, is a kind of the anti-climax of, of a theater curtain, in a way. Okay. So I, I thought it was an, an interesting opening, uh, opening image for, for the theme. Well, it, it is really compelling and, and mysterious. Because when I first saw it, I looked at it and I said, okay, I know what this is. It's a series of curtains it's, it's, you know, that are, are draped or hanging down a little bit. And yet the more I looked at it, I thought, but I have absolutely no idea at all what this is, how it would be used or, or what its context was. 
that makes me happy because we we got engaged a little bit. So I, I got to engage and. And it's not always always one way. I think we got engaged with each other a little bit in this kind of, even by only one image, right? And I think this is the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And there is an echo of the kind of, of funeral draping or, or, or the, the somber, sad uh, draping going on with the way the curtains are arranged. It, it is clearly a scene that is after something else, after something more vibrant. It is beautiful and worn. And, and again, I recognized it immediately. And I also recognized I had no idea what I was looking at, Thanks a lot. which is, I think, one of the nice things about photography. Skipping forward a little bit uh, in that same series, tell me about the image with a picture hanging on the wall, uh, a parabola of light around it, and then either its reflection um, or the other side of a hallway on the other side. Why that picture? And and tell me tell me about taking that picture. Okay, so you know when when a few minutes ago I said you know really uh, inspiration ideas can be everywhere. This is my mother-in-law house. And uh, I, I just loved the way that the light in the ceiling was sh- casting those two shadows and uh, the kind of breaking the symmetry the, and, and the picture actually itself breaking the symmetry between the two. And then I took, mm-hmm. this, I took this picture and, and it was natural, you know, I was naturally attracted by it. I think I might as well had, had take the picture in my mind from the year before. You know, sometimes you, you think about something and you say, oh, I should have taken that picture. But fortunately, I we go to, to Japan regularly, so I could I had the chance to take it the, the year later, one year later. Uh, so I was kind of obsessed with this image in this corridor with this light like this. Of course, I had to turn off a few lights in the back in in the back before taking it. Otherwise, it would have broken the mood. But it's you know kind of secret, small secret. But then when when I have my archive of photos and then I decide that I want to work on on a story, then I always go back to all the kind of images that I have and try to use the images that I could um, see fit the story. For example, in, in, uh, in, in this case, um, if you see the, the, following, the following image, Yes, I really used it. You know, I, which which is basically I don't know if you can describe to the to the, to the listeners. It kind of there are the legs of, of a girl that kind of mimic the position of the two area of light in the previous image. So I'm thinking this is the 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 entrance of a house, and then by creating a, a visual link between one image and the next, I could keep the viewer attention kind of engaged. And, mm-hmm. and and make the story and make the story the story evolve because in this story I was trying to create a parallel between the loss of person we love and the loss of a love for example when when someone you love when when a, when a love story ends and uh, that are incomparable but they could two different type of suffering so like I say in the beginning so how can you measure which one is worse just suffering right so I thought. Uh, in a way, I could mix the two to make the story less about my father and more about a more universal concept. What we what we haven't said, and and people that aren't looking at the website yet don't know, these images are all black and white. Some of a, a grainy or a soft focus. I mean, they're, they're not the super tack sharp pictures that you might expect from photojournalism. They they are very evocative because of that. These are, of course, all decisions that that you have made to help get the mood of these pictures to come across. Talk to me about your intent for the black and white, for the uh, the grain or, or the soft focus. I think there are two aspects to it. One is linked to the 
to what I was saying earlier about ambiguity, right? So I think black and white makes the, it's perhaps a bit trivial as an observation, but black and white makes the image more detached from, from reality because we are used to, to see reality in color. I think it's got also the advantage to allow ourselves to focus on shadow and light rather than colors. Plus, I've always been fascinated by analog photography. So when I don't shoot analog, I try to replicate the analog effect in digital. So some of them are analog photos and some of them are digital, but make, make, making them look analog. So there is also a kind of kind of personal uh, taste, let's say. And But having said that, though, recently I, I decided to start working in color and I am really enjoying it. And I think my next work will be a mix of, two, of the two. Well, we, we are going to talk about some of your color work here in just a minute when we get to the, the work that's uh, most recent for you. But I do want to talk about at least one of your other stories, one of your other projects. And this is the a story you call Arrhythmia uh, or Arrhythmia uh, in English. Tell me what this one's about. Okay, Arrhythmia is a personal project that I completed actually exactly a year ago, and uh, I also self-published in uh, in uh, uh, in a photo book in photo book format. It's actually my first photo book. It's really a story about a, a journey between reality and dreams. There is a main character in this story, which is. Um, 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 a model, but in inverted comma. I don't like to use the word mod- the word model because for me it's, it's more like 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 an actress, which um, which is which is a, a friend as well um, happens to be. This journey is her journey between reality and dreams, but it actually is my journey, is your journey, is everyone's journeys, and and I try to ex- represent a journey to kind of into the nature to reconnect and rediscover our true essence as human beings. So you will see there are a lot of photo in nature and a lot of photo. Naked photo because it it is a reconnection to our true true essence and also another aspect that I think is could be interesting is about the importance of the dreams because I mean let me spend a few minutes on how I got to the idea of this project because I have two main themes in, in that I really really was interested in was one is nature and one is dreams right. one is dreams and I really didn't know how to mm-hmm. put those two together. And I was just going out taking photos and photographing the nature or with this friend around with posing and, and other things. And I really wanted to make something out of those two main um, projects. And I thought as a key item that could link the two was the, 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 the journey. So one could make a journey through nature or inside a dream. And uh, the journey is to connect, to kind of find ourselves and to rediscover our true essence, right? As a human being, as I was saying before. But this journey can only happen into a dream because when we live real life, we kind of have boundaries, the boundaries that are imposed by society and sometimes we self-impose boundaries as well, right? And those right. boundaries kind of influence the way we perceive reality and kind of give, give gives us a lot of false of false perceptions. So I thought, when we dream instead, we, we are completely free and, 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 we, and we can really make the journey to rediscover ourselves. So that's the link that I, I thought. And then therefore, I just started putting images, images together and start shooting new photos with this idea in mind. And then uh, eventually in November 2019, uh, I had a through a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign. I managed to self-publish the book. I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of going out to, to photograph 
dreams. And I'm also imagining somebody listening to this going, yeah, right. You know, how in the world, it's like photographing wind. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost impossible. And yet, you know, you, you find a way to capture its effect, if not its presence. So talk to me about two images uh, from Arrhythmia. The opening image with, with the tree and, and what I assume is snowfall or something like that, yep. and, and a bit of cloud, which is a very dreamlike image. And then a bit further in the project, you have a pretty standard portrait of, of your uh, friend just standing on a beach, you know, just <laughs> looking at, at, at the camera. One is very abstract. One is very specific, both black and white, both very evocative. Tell, tell me just the story of composing those two images. It, uh, I'm happy, Scott, you picked up the first one because it's one of the, oh, actually both of them are perhaps the one that I feel closer to in terms of images throughout the whole project. So the first one is uh, what I call a happy accident, which I think are so, so important in photography. Some people might never admit it, right? But I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm really open and I always look for them. So I was out shooting in the, in the, in the snow and uh, it was a relatively heavy snowstorm and, uh, and uh, it was in Japan. I was using the flash. I was trying to get all those small dots of snow. I kept on getting snowflakes landing on my on my lens, and and, and you know, with, with one hand I was unholding un the flash, the strobe light, and with the other <laughs> hand I was continually trying to clean my lens. Mm -hmm. In, because I wanted to, to try to get this um, uh, shape of the tree that you can see a little bit in the background, surrounded by all those yes. white dots, which is the image I had in mind. And I, I was not cursing, but I was kind of getting nervous of keeping on cleaning the the, the, the lens. And then, uh, and then I go, I, I go home, and, and um, you know, over, over the next few days, I, ch I check the photos. And actually, the clean photos didn't re resonate with me at all. And the photos in which the snowflakes landing on the lens and created this kind of incredible—I had a few of them, and I chose this one—where the photos I I thought perhaps uh, that I was going to delete them, but uh, you know, they create this um, layer of boy, it's dreamlike, right? They, they, be, mm -hmm. yes. Because it's not something that we would see in the real world. That, yeah. And it's very good that you, very interesting that you understood that there's no flakes landing on the, on the lens because not many people, you know, many people ask me, what, what is that? Is the cloud or something? But yeah, it's no flakes landing on the lens. Oh, it, it, and it, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful photograph. Now, as abstract as that one is, the other one is quite realistic. So yes. T tell me that story. This photo was taken after I made the realization of where, where I wanted the, the whole story to go. So this journey in the dream. And uh, I had a selection of images. I, I think it's, it's interesting for the listening, perhaps if I talk about also my selection process and editing process a little bit. You think so? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So uh, I had this selection of images. So, so I, I, okay, oh, I made up my mind. I want to talk about this journey in dreams and, and between dreams and reality. And um, I selected some images and I started to play a little bit with sequencing initially. Things like editing a sequencing for a book or for, or for, a, for a series they take a really long time. So I, I just started playing around and I realized that there were some aspects like the presence of water and, and, and other things that I thought were missing to the, from, the, from the selection of images I had. So I said, okay, you know, there's no rush for me. I just go out and take other, other images. We went on, on, on um, beach with my friend Mia. I think it's, um, this is, this is um, the typical case in which working with another person, it kinds of... Um, creates this kind of artistic give-and-take relationship in which 
you have your own ideas and the other person filters them through their own personality and then the idea kind of bounce back to you in a in a different way so i, I really love this kind of two ways feedback loop if you if you allow me um the uh-huh. word that kind of it's like my ideas evolve organically by being filtered through the other person. And then, you know, we, we started taking picture. She came up with this expression and I selected that in the, in the book because I thought there was a, a good punctum to kind of um, setting some, uh, some uh, kind of milestone towards the journey. In fact, if you see, it's one of, uh, if not the only image where she looks directly in, 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 in the camera. It, it's a marvelous expression. Also, and also I think... Um, it gives also this arrhythmia, arrhythmia, right? It's it's the kind of mm-hmm. unexpected skipping or, or or fast heartbeat that breaks the rhythm. And also, this is one another reason why I, I I chose the image to give to give that kind of unexpected element that broke the rhythm of of, of the sequence. Well, it certainly does that. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago ways to expand photography. The earlier project you published as a fanzine, you say. Yes. This one got to be a book as well as a multimedia presentation. So talk to me about that aspect of photography, of, of the ways you present it to the world. Thanks. No, this is, this is a, a, something that is a relatively new discovery for me and uh, an awareness, I'd say, rather than discovery. And it came... Uh, Again, as most things in life, and, and and also like the image we talked earlier about the, the the one with the tree and the snowflakes, it came kind of sort of an accident, which, if you allow me to say, so it, it really shows that we have always to keep our mind open to to, to everything, right? As as artists, mm-hmm. I think so, because inspiration can be really everywhere. So what happened is um, I wanted to create a video to present my Kickstarter campaign for the book. So I asked a, 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 a very good friend of mine who is a music comp- composer to compose a piece of music to go like in the background. You know, the, the Kickstarter video where you have a mix of right. images and, and footage and then a bit of talking and, and then there is a background music. So I, I really was not expecting much from it, to be honest. I went through and when I was shooting for, 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 the, for Arrhythmia, I was also taking some videos just for the purpose of being used for, for, for the Kickstarter video. But then, uh, you know, when I was looking at the sequence of images, video, with the music underneath, I said, oh, why do I have to spoil all of this with my voice, right? So <laughs> this could be, you know, uh, jokes apart, this could be much more than a Kickstarter presentation video. So mm-hmm. I kind of evolved on that, and I, I went and shoot more footage that adapted to the to the mood of the of the image. So and then when I had the chance to exhibit Arrhythmia the first time in Italy before COVID in November, and then the uh, creator of the of the um, of the show in Italy, Lorenzo from uh, the Beat Gallery in Pesaro, also gave me the idea of using different images in the exhibition than in the book. And therefore, I kind of realized that what I was going to create was like a world that one could experience in different ways by moving in the exhibitions, by uh, holding the book, so a tactile experience, by listening to the music and, see, and the music and seeing the footage. So it was like a more kind of comprehensive experience that affected a lot of senses. You know, it was really an eye opener for me. And if you think about what we say, that, you know, if, before, I think towards the beginning of the converse, our conversation, which the importance of creating a connection with the viewer. I think this is great because I realized that I could kind of 
have more links, much more links with the viewer by having them experiencing arrhythmia through different senses. And perhaps every every aspect of arrhythmia, the video, the, the exhibition, the book could give um, you know a different um, insight into the world of arrhythmia. So, and I think this is mm-hmm. this, and I, and uh, it's something that is very very. It's it's difficult. It's complicated. It's time consuming, but uh, it's rewarding. And uh, if there is the possibility, I want to do it definitely again. Also, the artistic collaboration with other artists is great because every artist can kind of bring you their own contribution, right? Like the music is kind of made me kind of notice when 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 my friend composed the music. And she was saying uh, uh, the first part of the of the music is like someone walking in a forest, walking in a dream. Then it made me realize some aspect of my world work that I hadn't noticed before. So I find all this aspect of exchanging uh, feelings and experience and visions really, really fascinating. I think that's fascinating as, as, as well. Tell me about the new stuff. You sent me some images. I'm looking at them right now. And yes, indeed, there is color now uh, in your work. (laughs) But clearly, there are some themes that that are yours to begin with. So what new directions can we expect from your stuff? I think color eventually is just a presentation of of contents. So I don't think in terms of meaning, of feelings, and of... um, a vision. It's not going to be a, a, a huge difference, but using colors made me aware of different things that I could explore to to convey my my stories and my feelings. I think one work I really want to do, and I'm, 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 I've already started working on it, but you know it might take a while to to kind of complete, is an exploration of how things in life can finish, but how the ending is not always a negative thing, and it is also linked a little bit to again we go back to the, to the things of ourself, right? Or what you believe that we, right. we discussed at the beginning. Right. I am a person that when something happens in life and uh, it's a negative thing, I tend to get I tend to get really affected by it. And I don't like this of myself. So I try through photography to be more positive and trying to understand the life in most of the cases is 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 works in our favor. And things that you know to a first glance can be can appear as being negative can also open doors and be the best thing that happened to you. So one concept that is really interesting is that once more, I'm kind of allowing photography to, or experiences done to photography rather, to kind of mold my real life in a way. So yeah, and in, in, in this project, I'm really, really interested in exploring a mix of black and white and color, as well as I would love to introduce a lot of, and I think I really enjoy a lot of um, handmade aspect in, in the presentation like binding or tearing pages or whatever makes the tactile you know experience of seeing my book uh, more more interesting i want to explore more of these but still work in progress i just have a lot of ideas on a lot of pages in my notebook and i'll have to put some order in it at some stage <laughs> it's engaging to hear you say that because I know a number of people who are book designers. And if I ever ask them, how did they get started? Almost all of them will say photography, that they went from the image and they wanted exactly that tactile part of what what is not tactile at all. And, and, you know, that is, you know, the image to be present uh, as part of their uh, artistic experience. Well, sir, this has been wonderful. I, I, I admire your work greatly. Tell me what you expect to be doing in the next couple of months here. What, what, what are the next just very specific things you're going to be doing when you head out to photograph dreams? 
Okay, so I love trees. I think especially barren trees in winter, they have this incredible life energy in them. And I would Mm -hmm. like to photograph more trees then. With the fog, it's a great combination. So that is definitely some kind of images I want, group of images that I will be using for this new work. And I want to put a little bit of order in them, uh, perhaps print a... As, as I usually do when I decide seriously to start working on something, print like two or three hundred six by four uh, small images uh, and just scatter them on the floor and trying to make um, pairings and um, and sequencing and moving them around and with with my kids walking on them and uh, and um, <laughs> you know sometimes my kids moving them my my create pairing that works so yeah I'm really looking forward to kind of practically starting working on, on this new project, to be honest. Oh, that, that sounds like wonderful evenings at your house with the kids and the photographs <laughs> all on the floor. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for your time this afternoon. This has been wonderful. Thanks a lot, Scott. And thank you to Frames Magazine for, for having me. It's been, um, I, I, I love the community, Frame Magazine community. And this has been a real honor to, for me to be here with you today. Frames, because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.